The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Tuesday night edition of the pod here. Got lots to discuss with the power forward rankings. As I go through, I, I noticed... Uh, this actually might be the weakest position in the NPA, the more I think about it. But we can get to that in a second. I want to remind you, Hollinger Duncan did that a day late, came out yesterday. John and I talked about what keeps contenders, coaches up at night. We went through the Brooklyn thing from a little bit of a different angle and also talked about how the media and executives interact, what you do as an executive if you feel the media is getting a story wrong. And then we also eliminated two teams from the playoffs uh, Danny anything you got to tell the people about before we get started here I fully expect that Real GM Radio will be out on Wednesday there's a chance that it's not and since I've recorded I won't say who it's with but I'm excited about it so you can keep an eye on that and I might have some new pieces at The Athletic too we're working on the publication schedule so follow my Twitter that's a good thing to do yeah also you know a lot of people are probably concerned about the coronavirus and how that could affect the NBA season in addition to everything else that it's going to affect sadly but our current plan right now even if the games get postponed we're going to try and keep going on our normal schedule and hopefully you guys will keep listening <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens if uh, if that ends up five days a week ends up being too much then maybe we'll reevaluate but uh, we got a lot of interesting content that we wanted to get out that's not necessarily related to specific games that are going on you know if this goes on for two months then maybe we'd reevaluate but i think uh, hopefully we can keep it going for you guys but uh that's our plan as of now also want to remind you we're going to be doing a cast on the nba's twitch channel what time is that on sunday i believe it starts at 11 pacific and 2 eastern yeah and what that's going to be it won't be a traditional cast it's actually going to be a rebroadcast of last year's rockets blazers game in advance of sunday's rockets blazers game and so we'll actually have the whole game in the window it's obviously not a new game but and this is just one of those baby steps for us trying to build this up to where we can do actual live games with the feed right there for you no syncing up or anything so you you can avoid that here and any suggestions you might have i know you guys are pretty creative but on how to do it because obviously it's an old game we know what happens i don't really remember the game that well current plan is just to kind of go in relatively fresh Try to talk about it. Take some questions. Also acknowledge, though, that we ultimately know what's going to happen as we're doing the game. And just play it by ear and see how it goes. It's not really a... I don't really know anyone who's ever tried this format for an old game before where you know what's going to happen to do the live commentary during it. So uh, we really appreciate any feedback you guys can give us there, either before or afterwards. But enough prevaricating here let's get started with our power forward rankings and danny what is a power forward a lot of times power forward we can define it by what it's not there to me they're players who 
who don't have to play center. You know, I, th- I think that's an important important nuance. Maybe they can switch a little bit, but also generally players that cannot play small forward because small forwards, you know, I so said we, we had a lot of teams like, for example, the Celtics have no power forwards really on the high part of this list because we counted Hayward, Brown, and Jason Tatum all as threes. So it's a little bit stockier. Uh, offensive role can change dramatically. I mean, there are lots of different examples of that, even on our list and, and historically guys like Dirk Nowitzki is, is a good example. There are also a bunch of them they can't shoot. And but really that's the general contours for us. And again, so a couple of things that we usually talk about here. This is thinking about them in the abstract. Where would they be on the average team? Not where are they on their specific team, because then you get into circumstances like Indiana. Indiana starts two centers. We Sabonis and Miles Turner would both be centers on the average team. Thus, they do not have a power forward high on this list either. So that's really the idea is how where would they play on the average team? And and some people say, oh, you know, why isn't this guy there? The most important part of this is we do it by position so we can split the entire universe of the league into five categories and everyone will appear one place. Except Matisse Thibel, sorry about that, we forgot him. But uh, other than that, other than... <laughs> he, he probably would have been in like, you know, the 30 to 40 range. Right. Probably, but say. so... but so the small forwards. It, the idea there is that we have to put everybody somewhere. What is the most appropriate of all of the boxes? And so we we actually go through, you know, every player that we think there's a, a, an argument on and we, we kind of go through it a little bit. So we don't sit, we don't put that in the podcast. We just go with what we have. And so that way, while Nate and I can rank the players differently, we are ranking the exact same individual players. Yeah, and it's also worth noting, too, that we're thinking about what a player's natural position is. Now, this isn't necessarily what he thinks his natural position is, looking at you, Al Horford and DeAndre Ayton, but just what their skill set would normally have them do. And the other thing to remember here is we're looking at this as pretend that we are starting a season right now and everyone is recovered from the injuries that they might have right now so Blake Griffin I realized that he had season-ending surgery he's not available right now but let's say we are starting next season right now next season and the playoffs the and the playoffs is an important caveat here because playoff value is going to take on an outsized role but so we're kind of saying okay Blake Griffin once he's healthy again what do we expect his level of performance to be for the next year but if you're a guy who frequently gets injured or you have something chronic where your level of performance is going to decline or you could get re-injured that's obviously going to factor in here so anything else uh, we need to do or should we uh get started here in ranking the power forts to me this was in most parts the easiest group to do especially because at the top there was some real stratification and yeah. my first tier, just as it was last year when I, I just looked at it again, my first tier is Giannis Antetokounmpo by himself. Yeah, and uh, when we do the top 10 players in the NBA, I'm kind of waiting to see how Steph Curry looks. Uh, that's sort of uh, why we're waiting to do this. In addition, I mean, we had, we didn't always do the all of the position rankings before we did top 10 players in the NBA, uh, but this year we may end up doing it that way because I want to kind of get an idea of whether Steph has lost any of his powers yet or not because he's going to be an interesting one to rank. But yeah, Giannis might be number one on that list uh, of the top 10 players in the NBA. He is going to win MVP. Well, I don't know. There's been some LeBron buzz lately. I don't think that should obscure what Giannis has done over the course of the whole year, what the Bucs have done over the course of the whole year. But 
in this group yeah he's clearly number one to me and I really had a, a relatively easy time ranking my top five tier two by himself as well to me was Anthony Davis no arguments and Davis you, you might ask why is he not a center well centers are more plentiful than power forwards we've seen that on the Lakers this year that they play a center with him a lot of the time he certainly is capable of moving to center and if you're capable of playing center if you're capable of playing small forward in this group that to me gives you a, a lot more credit even as in these power forward rankings because you have that little versatility you can fit in to a, a number of theories of team construction but davis to me he's been doing it much longer than the guys who are below him you know he is if not mvp level just below their clear top 10 player in the nba not sure you can say that about anyone else on this list but i also think it's very clear that he is not at the same level as adenokupo that means he's in your own tier the tier is what if you can make an argument that guy x is as good as as guy why then they can be in the same tier even if you have one rank below the other but i don't think you can make an argument that davis is better than anadokounmpo and i don't think you can make an argument that any of the guys below davis are as good as him so now who are the people that you have below anthony davis in this next year my next year i labeled it all nba and the way that i thought about it was players who their their expected value is around top 15 top 20 players in the league and it ends up only being two guys two younger players who have really taken strides over the last couple of years though they've they've been good for longer than that and that's my number three is pascal siakam and my number four is ben simmons so i had number three pascal siakam i had number five ben simmons and i had number four zion williamson i have zion in the next tier down and i thought about putting him this high again this goes into something for you and i going back to the john Morant and the prospect rankings i'm just a little bit more conservative than you in terms of i need to see a little bit more and also zion has been so terrible defensively that i was a little bit reluctant but i again i thought about it i saw the argument he is his offensive impact right now coming back from a knee surgery coming back in season is jaw-dropping yeah i mean he might be a top 10 offensive player in the nba already I and mean, just considering his efficiency his usage i mean he's coming in and also i think a big part of this too to me is if you were starting a season right now how much better he would get over the course of that season particularly defensively i think he can at least get to be like semi-passable defensively and uh, i mean the argument has been made to me that well, hey, they've defended pretty well with him on the floor, especially with that starting group. How bad can he be? They've been benefiting from a lot of shooting luck with him out there. When you just watch him, I mean, he's he's made looked a little bit better against Dallas, which is the last game I saw him play. But man, it is you see a lot of mistakes and not that many plays being made. But I think he's continue to get into better shape, which will help and just understanding the game more and the team will be able to use them a lot more but i mean we've seen basically like the guy's putting up an efficient 25 to 30 points every game now and there's like three of the 15 teams that he's played against have had any answer for him whatsoever now do you if you want to talk about him as a playoff guy if you want to talk about him as you know against the absolute best teams who really do have room protection and a good scheme can he be as effective against them oh those are very legitimate questions but ben simmons to me has as many of those questions if not more i mean he hasn't really done much in the playoffs against real teams you know he's done something against the brooklyn nets in the playoffs but he's pretty invisible against the celtics in 2018 pretty invisible offensively against toronto last year and certainly simmons uh, of course is a better defensive player but i think zion you know even though zion can't shoot number one 
he's the power forward which Simmons we have in these power forward rankings that's what he'd be on a lot of teams but he plays guard for his team and that really impacts their spacing negatively and then Zion just has so much gravity where like even if you're not guarding him if you just throw Zion the ball he takes one dribble and he goes and dunks on your whole team I have a stat on that so Andrew, Andrew Patton does what he calls rim gravity plus and for most of the season Giannis was number one by a pretty sizable margin on you know guys like Montrezl Harrell and and LeBron and and Simmons and and Russ Westbrook and all that Zion is now number one over Giannis over the course of this season and I don't doubt it I I mean when you watch the way and and the in the way that Zion can bend defenses in transition because of those early post-ups he's getting on smaller guys so yeah the argument is there I just want to see I want to I want a larger sample to to get in there and you brought up you brought up Simmons and the guard the negatives for him playing down positions offensively but part of the reason why he's not in the same tier for me as Simmons is that Simmons versatility defensively not only is he uh, I consider him a very good defender but he is a very versatile defender and I love that because then on that end of the floor you could pair Simmons with a lot of different players he's really a value add he can take some lead assignments he can also be a disruptive help defender in passing lanes and I love defensive versatility it's one of my one of my favorite attributes for a player to have and so I think we focus a lot and justifiably so on Simmons short Shortcomings, but that kind of a strength is exceedingly unusual. So, do you really think that if you were the GM of, you know, you could be the GM of all 30 teams, that for more than 15 of the teams, you would rather have Ben Simmons over Zion? I mean, so the the question there is just because Simmons is just so hard to fit around. To he me. he is hard to fit around, but he can you could use him as like as a backup point. Like you think about all the things he does that are important for a team to have. I talk about forty eight good minutes of point guard. Yeah, he might be a weird fit with the starters, but there are also those fifteen minutes that they're not playing, and he can be exceedingly valuable there. He can be. I mean, you could have a great defense with him. And also, my personal theory is that there's that there's more untapped potential in Simmons offensively. I mean, we saw that in the period of time when Embiid wasn't there. I am not the biggest Brett Brown fan in the world as an offensive scheme guy. You know, he does other things well. And so I think Simmons is good enough to justify that. There are, there we're getting a growing number of capable initiators in the league. But if you're outside of that group, especially, then I think there's a, I think Simmons provides a lot of value. So yeah, for right now, at this moment, yes. Six months from now, I could feel entirely differently. But for right now, yes. Yeah. Well, I, as you said, your philosophy is to be a little bit more conservative on the, on these things with young players. And generally, as we will see later in these rankings, my philosophy is that young players offensive stats really overrate their ability to contribute but Zion to me is so good that he breaks that even given how low I am on his defense I also I mean this is an interesting one of whose health would you trust most over the next a season that started today Simmons back scares me and I I, I think he might have to have back surgery it's Simmons back yeah so I would say Zion in the short term Zion Williamson the comparison that I've made a few times and it's partially just my bias being as being a Bay Area native is to Tim Linscombe and so the idea with Tim Linscombe was that people wondered he's small guy his throwing motion was so weird like that can't continue and he kept on defying it and made it to the majors once Cy Young's all that type of stuff but then eventually he succumbed to that and my fear is that that's what happens with Zion not now but maybe when he's 28 29 32 those knees just go 
I don't understand how this has been working and it's not working anymore. That sort of thing. And then maybe he has to lose a lot of weight. Maybe he has to play differently. And at that point, but my, my inclination is that the immediate isn't, isn't as much the concern was I am. But with Ben Simmons now, it wouldn't have been the case. I mean, b- earlier, but this back thing is scary. Yeah, I mean, for a, a while, it seemed like he was indestructible. But that uh, that changed in a hurry when they decided to play him when he already had a back injury and he exasperated it against Milwaukee. All right, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll get into the rest of these guys. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace using our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us so it struck me is that there really are only five players at this position that are even like sniffing all-star status yeah i i agree with you this next tier down and and that's why it was a little bit weird to have zion here but it it wasn't particularly inspiring when you're thinking about the in my case the fifth through tenth best players at a whole position group 
they're not bad players, but to think of them as like the fifth through tenth, mm. it, it, did, it didn't inspire me. Yeah, my group here is six through twelve, and I did have some trouble making my way through this group. There's a lot of guys who are, are difficult to rank. A lot of guys who are older as well could have performance drop-offs. But my number six guy was uh, Danilo Gallinari. He's managed to stay healthy now for basically two seasons, so a little bit less of a concern that he's going to miss time. He's a wonderful offensive player. I mean, the way he spaces the floor, gets to the foul line, can do a little bit of mid-post iso as well. And he is a very, very good offensive power forward i think the three guards in okc have gotten a lot of the pub there but his ability to space the floor for them and also to hurt people when they switch i think really helps i don't believe in Cal that much as a playoff player very reliant on the bs foul drawing for some of his efficiency i think he's been a little bit better defensively this year than last year but he can definitely just get traffic coned uh, attacked yeah. very easily but uh, to me him being the number six guy at this position is i mean i don't know where where you have him but did you have anything else you just want to say on him generally gallo is a, is a really nice floor raiser and he can be a floor raiser on good teams too like that's that that sometimes we use that as a as a way of you know taking a 20 win team to 30 but no i think i mean you, we're seeing it with the thunder this year he's helping their offense saying but yeah the, the defensive concerns both in the regular season but especially in the playoffs are there I had him at seven so not too much below you I had him below Zion that's one of the one of the other ones but who I had fifth above those guys one of the consistent things of of, of us as friends and basketball podcast partners and everything like that is I've just liked Paul Millsap more than you <laughs> and I have Millsap five yeah I'll I've, tell you what if Paul Millsap could play more than 25 minutes a game and stay healthy longer and he wasn't 35 he would have been my number five I mean on, on a per play basis I think there's a, a pretty good argument that it, to me he would be, is the sixth best power forward in the NBA but I just because he can't play that much and he's old and I worry about a drop off over the next year that's the only reason I brought him down I don't think we're in disagreement about how good he's been and you look at the the on off numbers for him defensively this year still massive and he's still capable of abusing guys a little bit in an ISO too. And Millsap being a lower usage, ideally, offensive power forward doesn't bother me at all because if you're as good as he is defensively, you get that usage somewhere else. It doesn't. It's well, well, it bothers me a little bit because when he doesn't have the ball, there's really just nowhere for him to stand. Yeah, I guess I guess there's some of that. But when he provides the defense, I mean, think I, I love the way that he makes, to me, the Jokic-Millsap combination has been so much better than Jokic with basically everybody else. And I think I think of Millsap as getting a lot of that credit now. Now, if I think it slots better with Jokic, but yeah, I'm higher on Millsap. But well, the next and the, and the guy who to me it's the most substantial drop for a non-injury related thing is my number eight is Draymond Green. I've got him even lower. I mean, he's just been one of the worst offensive players in basketball this year. Like, the, there's no two ways about it. And his his defense. I mean, what he's been on the floor largely, his defense has been has been fine but it has you know he hasn't had to yeah. to dig into those depths but what part of what Draymond there's there so they're like Andre Iguodala when we did the shooting the small forward rankings this season while not entirely his fault has brought up a couple of things and paralleling Iguodala the lack of offensive versatility Draymond works so much better in a very specific ecosystem which does not exist on most teams and his 
part of why you could say it's the, you know, disease of more or whatever. Him blatantly not giving a shit for most of the regular season when on a non-competitive team is a big problem for most teams in the league. Now, the Warriors were able to survive that last year. They still did, still did incredibly well. But why I still have him so high is that I don't have that much doubt that when he ramps it up, because we saw that like in the Rockets game on Christmas Day and a few other times, and he, he's still a, an amazing playoff defender and that elevates his game a lot and sort of paralleling Ben Simmons. I mean, he's good enough at what he does offensively that I think you can make it work given the defensive value. Yeah, and obviously for his offensive value, a lot of that is dependent on playing with two, sometimes three of the greatest shooters of all time. Those guys will be back next year, but yeah, I think... Well, two of them will be, but... Yeah, yeah, we didn't know how well that he would translate to a team that was different. And, you know, maybe if we're going back to... 2016 when he was more athletic he could shoot the ball more Steph Curry was out he was awesome in the playoffs that year when Steph Curry was out but things have definitely changed for him now he can't finish around the rim he can't shoot he's got to have the ball if he doesn't have the ball he's not getting guarded unless he's screening for one of the greatest shooters of all time so and then you go into what either some of these injuries where you know he's just like missed a bunch more time than they thought just various sore knees hips etc just turned 30 the offense isn't going to get better but he also played at a defensive player of the year level as recently as the 2019 playoffs and so uh against the rockets against the blazers he was unbelievable in those series and but basically you're almost just like well this guy's only going to play for you in the playoffs and that makes it a lot difficult as you mentioned for a lot of these teams who are just trying to get to the playoffs I'm interested, though. Part of why I ended up with Draymond at eight was that I didn't feel comfortable putting him below anybody else. And if you did, I'm interested in who that is. So Tobias Harris was my number seven. Uh, Harris, to me, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, to me, Harris has actually been better this year, certainly than he was when he first got traded to Philly last year. He hasn't been as efficient as he was with the Clippers, but he's being asked to do more. He's being shunted into this role where on a lot of nights, he's got to really be their primary scorer. He doesn't get to the line enough. He doesn't put enough pressure on the rim to really be that. I think as a secondary guy in a lot of teams, he could really help. He could get back up to that level of efficiency he showed with the Clippers. He's not going to shoot over 40% from three, I don't think, but he could shoot it better. He's been you know, pretty high usage, a little bit above average, shooting he's gotten better defensively this year for uh, the Sixers it, just in terms of his on-ball defense he's never going to be much of a help guy but he's got enough size to impact things I thought he was fine in the playoffs defensively last year but because of the big contract that he got and the perception that the Sixers are disappointing you know I think everyone is kind of down on him a little bit now let's be clear getting a near max contract and you'd be like oh you know that's not that bad for the seventh best guy's position but again you know he's very far away from me from all-star level and so uh he's kind of here by default I mean if you're going into a playoff series yeah give me Draymond over him anytime uh on most teams but he's a reliable scorer and shooter at this position where you're as we go down here you know you're not necessarily getting that much offense particularly off the dribble so i i like i I don't feel like great about having him here so um do you have anything on him or or can i list off some of the other guys that i have in this area here i don't really have anything more on harris it's it the what did you have him at I had him ninth, so I had him right behind okay. Draymond. So he, he yeah. not not too far, not too different there. I and mean, these guys are all in the same tier. So right. again, we're kind of saying, we're, yeah. we're making the argument they're pretty, pretty close. Um, right. And then, yeah. um, so I'll talk about, I only have one more guy in this tier. So then I think that can lead into who else you had here. And it's another player that I'm higher on than the average person, Jonathan Isaac. 
And Isaac's defensive potential, you know, the fact that he, I, I think he has defensive player of the year, or maybe just like on the ballot potential. And again, like Paul Millsap, though they're very different defensive players, I'm willing to tolerate a much lower usage. I've said before that I think every time Jonathan Isaac takes a jump shot, I don't think it's going in. But he can, he's, every once in a while he does something a little intriguing with the ball in his hands. And I, I, I think that's been, his absence has been a big part of some of the struggles that Orlando has gone through in the second half of this year. And yeah, so I had him there. He, he touches on the, the fringiness of like having him in the same tier. But when I, when I, again, like I've talked about this on a lot of different ones, with the hardest guys to place, I kind of put them in both spots and I'm like, well, where does it feel more appropriate? And I just felt more comfortable with him here than in the other tier. I'd feel a lot better about it if he weren't injured all the time. I probably would have had him thinking about him in this group. But, and also I think back to the playoffs last year too. In the first round, he just didn't get guarded. That was a big part of why their offense got totally throttled. He wasn't able to close games for them in the playoffs. And like, if you're going to be in the top 10, like you need to at least be closing games for your team in the playoffs. And you throw that in with just, you know, yet another injury. This is a knee injury, pretty severe. Let's see how he's able to return from that. Not going to be able to work on his game. He's going to be like getting his rhythm back again for, the second time in three off seasons that, that he's been in the NBA I don't know how much he's gonna be able to work out this off season, and so all of that to me if, if you could guarantee me that he was going to be healthy next year and had a full off season to work on things I might have had him higher I just uh, I'm I'm concerned about that aspect of it and especially for a guy you got to kind of play a little recklessly going for some of the blocks and steals that he does and it, with some of the injuries you know I, I wouldn't want to see that activity level quelled um so i had him lower the others that i had in this group it was a a group from six to twelve jaron jackson jr and part of that is based on him hopefully getting better defensively i think they've gotten better defensively in these last couple of months but just the the bombing that he's able to do eight three-point attempts for 36 minutes basically right at 40 percent can shoot it on the move and also is is capable of abusing smaller players in the post also capable of playing pick and roll doing a little bit off the dribble with his drive game and i think he's just a really really good offensive power forward and has the i mean he's not that amazing defensively and especially if he moves to center he can look a little rough but i think he's gonna get better there and he's also just not a guy where like gallo the other team's eyes light up you know i mean you can be not that great but if teams don't really attack you that much you can kind of get by whereas someone like gallo it's a little harder there but i think where did you have jackson i assume he was not in this group for you but i want to know where you had him i had him in the next year where i stopped ranking but i like i like jaron his defense has it's he might be hurt more than most by just disappointing me in defense you know that's different from being bad yeah it's just i understand and that's tough and it might be a little bit unfair but also he with with the volume of shooting is definitely good i i want to see a little bit more just to make sure that it's it doesn't have to be at this level to to make sure that people stay out on him i would love to see a little bit more versatility even if that versatility isn't used just to know that it's there you know it's, it's a weird thing like for example comparing him to brick lopez like brick lopez can do can do more you know he can post up he can do something else and not that you want him to necessarily but like if a play breaks down will he make the right pass will he make the right decision that kind of stuff but i like jaron a lot and it wouldn't surprise me in the 
slightest when we do this a year from now to have him in this five through 10 group and maybe probably not, but maybe higher. The other thing I like about him is that he may not be that great defensively, but he enables you to play a lot more defensive players around him because of his shooting at a position where you don't normally get it. And the Grizz have kind of done that. And and that's a good point. And especially, I mean, Memphis is actually a better example of this than most because they don't have as much shooting at the two and the three than you would like. Okay. So you still, but you still have more guys in this tier. PJ Tucker. Okay. He's in my next tier. Probably similar logic. Yeah, now, I mean, Tucker is always able to play. You definitely worry about, you know, 8.7% usage. (laughs) It's not that amazing. But he's just, he kind of makes that rocket system run right now. And the efficacy of that system, we'll see. You know, they've just lost four straight after having killed everybody for a month with that system. So maybe it's not as powerful as I'm thinking. But he just... He's a solid player. He does enough offensively with his corner threes to get by. Clutch offensive rebounding. Doesn't make mistakes. Can guard all every position on the floor. Although I do think teams should go at him with faster guys does an aside but i think getting him switched on to like your point guard and then attacking when he's already the best help defender he's on the ball i don't think he can stay in front of like the absolute quickest guards any longer but teams don't really try that and he's just a really good help defender takes charges boxes out defensively and just makes that system go and could make it go for a lot of teams especially this ability to move up to playing a small ball center so i I like him a lot there i actually had him one slot above draymond tucker i I had him a tier lower partially i like that you brought up draymond because his extremely limited offensive game i don't think it would be at nearly as tenable anywhere else you know i think he, he benefits houston having these incredibly high usage creators two of them on the team makes it more possible and i don't i don't think you could scale pj tucker's offense at all now you have to pay attention to him and i think there's there's utility to that for for a, a defense also i mean you brought up with paul Millsap. they they don't have the same necessarily health stuff pj tucker's 34 now he turns 35 in in a matter of weeks so I worry about how long this is going to work, whether yeah, me what, too. the efficacy. So I had him in the next tier down, but I, you know, it's again, this is, this was one of the harder tier lines to draw. And, and he, you know, and especially because there are some teams like, you know, that he, that he would be better on. And so it, it's fine. I, I just, I don't feel as strongly about him, you know, like on 20 teams, I love him for like 10, but the other, the other 20, it gets a little bit dicier. Yeah. And he's one of those guys who, before he came to Houston, wouldn't have been considered this good and so uh, maybe uh, as a mini Draymond in many ways is the fact that he's in Houston that he's in this switching system is is that overrating his abilities right now that he gets just spoon-fed his corner threes that maybe he's just wouldn't be a good enough shooter to survive on some other teams I definitely think that that is something that could be a problem man it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015 and I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone 
is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one that's the sound of all the sports you love all at once starting at $40 a month experience it all live with sling sling is that the end of your tier or you or you have more no let's uh let's move on to my tier five here and i stopped ranking within this group same but you know i I also kind of found these guys a little harder to categorize than (laughs) i did at other at other positions because it's like you you just don't have that many two-way studs uh, at power forward the way you do at some of the other positions and i really put a premium on that two-way ability at the two and the three so it's kind of an eclectic group here in this next tier for me so i'm going to just list them off john collins mm-hmm. who has can play a little bit of center for you at least offensively shoots it well enough to get by at power forward the fit issues are rough but i mean the guy has just been a ridiculous finisher and does it with a pretty high usage for that player type he'd probably be towards the bottom of this group for me davis bertans totally different player than collins offense only although i think you can get by with his defense he at least plays hard but you can't get by with his defense in washington because he might be one of their better front court defenders (laughs) um but yeah, I mean, his shooting 42% from three on the move, just absolutely revelatory this year. I mean, he's a, a great, great offensive player, um, even just because of his gravity and the spacing he provides, not even necessarily his own scoring. Um, and feel free to break in on any, yeah. any of these well, both players. Of, both if you of those guys are in this tier for me. My tier runs from 11 to 19. And Bert, yeah, yeah. Bertans' is shooting can be game-breaking. It opens up so much offensively. And since he's a four-only like four player, he can have a five that can defend. The Wizards don't, but another team could. Yeah, so so feel free to break in if you have a significant disagreement with of course, me on I any, will. any of these guys. Um, John Isaac, I had in this group. We talked about him already. 
His teammate Aaron Gordon, I, I had have in him this here group. Too. I, I worry about Gordon's efficiency. He's been playing well lately. He'll have these jags of looking like he'd be more of a centerpiece. But you know, I think he's very solid defensively. Well, and he, his ability um, to defend threes and fours—that's the big reason sure. why he's in this tier for me. Yeah, I like that aspect. I think he's an adequate three-point shooter, but he's not getting a lot of open shots. He takes a lot of bad shots for this team. Is that because they need him to do that and they don't have anyone else, or is it because? He just wants to be a big star and shoot that way, and that's why he has 52% true shooting well, and on the year. People have asked me, like, did Eric, did Aaron Gordon peak early because he's such a great athlete? And for me, it's it's no. It's that he his on-ball, you know, like a lot of his offensive game just never progressed to the level where it was actually really helping his team. And that doesn't necessarily yeah. tie to athleticism, but there are plenty of athletic guys that have that have made that leap, which he has not done. Well, and I think on another team where he could roll to the basket more that had a more free-flowing offensive system, creators uh, who uh, did more, uh, guys who could shoot the three off the dribble more, uh, didn't play next to a post-up center. I think that would really... So so now you're making the argument for why the Warriors should try to get him? Yeah, it doesn't quite fit into the trade exception, though, sadly. But yeah, I mean, I I think he might look pretty good here. I think think he'd look really good in Portland if they could make it work. Yeah, that is an interesting one. So... But yeah, so you you had him in that group as well. Absolutely, yeah. Kevin Love, I... actually toyed with putting him lower he frankly. was my he was my hardest inclusion in this group same well that sounds like we're in the same point partially because of his his like Stevens is just so terrible at this point but yeah and, and like Bertans to me you could say that love and Bertans are kind of similar but Bertans to me at least can like get out on the floor he's used to doing that Bertans like Bertans isn't like a good defender of power forwards but he can at least defend power forwards which Kevin Love like can't even do anymore he's got to defend centers but Love's offensive game the reason why I kept him here his offensive game yeah. is still actually Excellent. I mean, we've seen that over the last little while in the, the times that I've gotten to watch the Cavs. He's playing an important role as a shooter and a facilitator and an intuitive passer. And on a different team, I think there, there are some players who benefit from their circumstance and some who, who are hurt by it. And I think that Love is mostly, you know, the change from LeBron, mostly now I think he's being hurt by it because that team just has so, has so little in certain respects. Yeah, and his post-up game might look better with more threats around him or someone who could actually enter the ball into the post. Blake Griffin, I put here. Same. His numbers this year obviously were atrocious. He was dealing with this knee source. He had to have another surgery. This is the second surgery on the knee. So there's a possibility that he just never comes back to even be a positive player in any fashion. But I think he was so good last year. He was playing at an all-star yeah. level when we did these rankings last year. I, I had Blake Griffin third last year. Yeah. So I think this is a a healthy split the baby between where he was last year and you know his normal aging curve had he not gotten injured and you know where he could be which could be like just you know not even helping a team but he still is passing his ability to do stuff off the dribble just his experience having been a star for so long and just knowing how the defense works and how to get shots his three-point shooting hopefully will come back for him next year his defense is gonna suck i think that's that's probably pretty clear to me but he could be an okay floor raiser on offense and maybe who could play with others as well with the shooting ability that he's added and and just someone who can be if not an offensive hub at least a secondary guy so i I fit him in here but I, i didn't feel great about it necessarily there's risk I'm excited because so far I've had every player you mentioned either in this tier or if we mentioned them before. How many more do you have? So I, I've got I've got two more. So do I. And these these are the ones that I think it's most likely that you won't have in here. Okay. First one is Moxie Kleba. I have him. Oh baby, yeah. I love we Moxie Kleba. About, 
yeah we, we talked about him a fair amount when we uh did that new orleans game that was a a nice showcase game for what he can do and why he's so valuable but he shoots it really well he just he doesn't have any weaknesses that's the well, biggest thing about him and he can say, even move up to center as well you say he shoots it well i want to i want to mention to go a little bit more 38 percent on 8.1 threes per 100 possessions this year that is fantastic also a very reliable free throw shooter 80 percent for his career 86 percent doesn't get to the line a ton but at least he can and he he can block shots he can he can be a part of uh, he's not a high usage guy but you have to defend him which i think is important and the positional versatility is is a plus so yeah i have cleveland this year yeah and while his usage is pretty low only only 14 percent he does have versatility he can spread the floor he can roll to the basket he can uh, go for some big dunks he's not quite as ridiculous of a of a athlete as he was a, a couple of years ago i shouldn't say ridiculous but quite as good of an athlete as, as he was a couple of years ago and then you know he can really defend threes passably you know he's kind of their go-to guy and like a Kawhi or a LeBron I mean he's not shutting those guys down but he's passable there provides help defense he guarded Zion pretty well also just again and, and I think he's answered a few questions about his ability to play more minutes this year so yeah big, big fan of him and then my last guy is Marvin Williams there's our first disagreement I mean I have Marvin at the top of the next year so it's not that big a difference I had my other guy that I had was Marcus Morris and oh i forgot to mention marcus morris i I had him in the group above this actually oh okay he was at the bottom of my uh my tier four i have him ranked number 12 so yeah okay and and my only concern about him i think it's defensible to have him lower especially if he just doesn't shoot the ball quite as well as he has for large parts of these last year and a half or so what's so weird about marcus morris is that he i vacillate on whether he's plug and play or not because his game in the abstract like if you take off your glasses and look fuzzy it is you know he's defensively he can handle different he can handle these forward size players which is so valuable he can shoot the ball but then when you actually put him on a team he takes too many bad shots sometimes he doesn't facilitate but but that has that has some use for teams that aren't as good offense right why the knicks this year i mean yeah so yeah i i I vacillated between having him on tier four tier five but i did have him in tier five and then so so then marvin williams yeah marvin williams is kind of in some ways the epitome of my next year which a lot of them are like kind of players that we've forgotten are actually good and marvin you know kind of a not a lost year by his standards but just being on the hornets a team that didn't other than other than their hilariously low under over under was not really that relevant to the zeitgeist this year but he's still a damn good basketball player he can shoot he can defend he can fit into a lot of different teams and that's part of why we were both so thrilled that the bucks got it yeah i mean he's kind of like a mini kleba in that way he's not the finisher on the rim that kleba is and not the same transition guy but as a shooter defender i mean he might even be even stouter i mean if you you ever look at him like he's got like a big ass like that guy is hard to move when you really get into which is funny to think about you know how thin he was when he first came in the league but he is uh he has definitely gotten a lot stronger he's got that old man strength now so I'll leave it to you now to break into who your next group was, and I, and I can uh, I'll break in when you I have guys sure. significantly different than you. We we will have more differences of opinion here. I'm pretty confident, and and so this is for me 20 to 26. The general descriptor I had on this was possible starters, but you'd preferably have them backing up. And a couple of these guys start mostly out of necessity, um, but a lot of them actually don't. And we've already talked about Marvin Williams, so I'll just mention him briefly at the beginning. Next up for me is Jeremy Grant. Grant's had a kind of a strange year with Denver, largely coming off the bench. I 
I think that his shooting is overrated, but I still do like his defensive tools. And again, I'm I'm not, I'm okay with a lower usage power forward, and he shoots, and I you know it's it's not it's it, I don't love him. I, I'm sure there when Denver acquired him, they hoped that he would be tier five or even tier four, which he has not been. Nemanja Bjelica, I love his shooting. I think he's capable enough defensively, and that's exactly why you know seven million for him is that's the non guarantee for next year. I think that is a no brainer yep. to pick that up, and it's yeah. it, it's not a surprise to me that I've liked the Kings better when he's been on the floor yeah you know I I realized that he's actually started like yeah 61 out of their 66 games yeah well, he, like that this year. well what happened was they weren't I, I think they weren't intending to start him but then when Bagley no. got hurt at the very beginning of the year he started and then he never relinquished it they moved other things around to largely keep him in the starting lineup also Bagley's yeah. missed a ton of time this year yeah I mean he's a 42 percent three-point shooter can do more off the bounce maybe than he's had a chance yeah, I mean, to do former yearly for former yearly MVP I mean he can right. do things yeah and you know maybe he's kind of settled into where he's not doing as much off the dribble as he's getting to be in his early 30s now and defensively i think he at least knows where to be he tries not going to protect the rim at all you know he's a minus on defense to be sure but he's a, a good enough offensive player that i was comfortable with him in this group um which i kind of i this group i was like call them like quality but flawed vets you know good guys who i think could be okay in the playoffs but you know are not can struggle in some ways for sure yeah my, my group isn't all vets so i couldn't do that but yeah. a lot of them are yeah. the, the next one i want to mention is is mo harkless i i yep, like got, I, I got him in here too i like harkless's combination of defense and he's gotten more confident as a shooter he's still not great at it i mean going back to that hilarity with his bonus a couple of years ago but you throw him on a team and i think that team is going to be better for it and can be a part of their rotation maybe not better off starting but a lot of teams would just because of the scarcity at this position thaddeus young this has been a challenging year for him for a couple different reasons but i still love his defense and the limitations are there but once you get into this group there are always going to be limitations you know, that's just right. the way it is. I thought about having him a tier lower, but I, I just still just really like his game. And then my two younger guys, Lowry Markkinen. Markkinen was really challenging for me because the concept, the sales pitch of Lowry Markkinen is still very alluring to me. He can he can shoot. He has a little bit more game inside the arc conceptually, but it hasn't materialized. You know, he's had these really rough two-point shooting stretches. And then the last guy, which is I'm sure is the most controversial. Well, let's, let's talk, let's talk Markkinen sure. real quick because... Uh, he's just he's got to shoot it better he does for i mean he's got to be a really really good three-point shooter and uh defensively i think it's pretty clear he's a minus yeah i realize he can move his feet a little bit better than that player type but ideally you'd probably want him as a center and and see to me i think i think you'd want him as a four just because he can't protect the rim well no no that's what i'm saying like just given his abilities on the perimeter you're kind of like oh yeah his, his ability on the perimeter is season for a center so so the parallel there is dragon bender who like he he couldn't you know when once you if you can't be a four and you can't be a five then it's a big problem yeah, not not so, because all europeans are the same or anything like that just yeah, it's, it's but, a simple he, problem yeah but so he needs to really you know he's got to be jaron jackson as a shooter or, or he's got to be able to really abuse some mismatches in the post or attack out the drive and it just I, i'm not for solid or uh precluding the idea that that could happen for him but you know it's kind of it's been a couple three years of stagnation now uh, for marketing and that's that's a little concerning and so so, so i had him in, in a group below that which i called young guys with potential which is more guys who you know i think can be really good in time and have some skills but just are not really like playoff tested at all well my last guy in this tier would definitely fit in that description and that's michael porter jr i believe in his offense and he's pretty bad defensively but i think the tools are there for him to get better and 
So if for me, the idea of him becoming over the course of the next, you know, if we had season that starts right now of him becoming a Bielitsa, Markkanen type, it's in, to me, it's entirely possible that Michael Porter Jr., if we started a season right now, would be better than Larry Markkanen as an overall basketball player. Yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you what, uh, you had Jeremy Grant and him in the same tier. Like Jeremy Grant is going to play a bunch of minutes in the playoffs this year. And Michael Porter Jr. is going to play like five minutes a game, I yeah. think. Unless they just like get so far down that they're just like, fuck it. Let's just go all offense and they put Porter in. But I understand the plan, that. The, yeah. So but that's just the, the way that I see where it goes from here. I, I, you know, once we get down to these kind of tiers, I'll roll the dice on a couple of guys that I think yeah. are going to be good. And oftentimes I get burned, but I, I will. I just his offensive game is so intriguing to me and the way he can slot in in that like as an on ball a little bit off ball type of guy the shooting stroke is just so damn smooth yeah I mean I just uh, other than the times that he makes the basketball go in the basket I think he hurts your team that's fair but he makes the ball go in the basket a pretty good amount yeah I mean he's he's been a I guess he's as a cutter he's been looked a little bit better he's probably got some pretty good gravity but he's not I mean maybe again this is kind of we'll see what happens to Denver this year but I kind of the more I think about it they just have all these guys who just need to be like firing away like michael porter should just be taking like a ton of shots from three same with jamal murray like gary harris even shoot threes anymore though you know part of that's because he's not making them but i do think they have some guys where if they just had a little bit more of that approach it it could really help them so we'll see what happens this year i mean i don't think mike balone's gonna get fired but uh there are, I think, coaches who could be unlocking more from him offensively. I do think that Malone is taking the right approach with him defensively because he does need to get better on that end. Um, the other guy I put in this, uh, I put two other guys in this veteran group. Okay. Uh, and one was Jay Crowder, the other was Jermichael Green. Yep, no real think, beef with that. I have him the next year. Yeah, I think Jermichael Green, he, he wasn't going to shoot it as well as he did last year at the Clippers, but he shoots it well enough. And I think he can defend pretty well. He's a smart player. Another guy who doesn't take that much off the table. Like he's totally playable in a playoff series, no problem. And Crowder, I wish he shot it a little bit better. I wish he had a little bit more athleticism. But he's just a solid vet. Who's just he's he's going to be out there in the playoffs, and he's going to be okay. He's not going to kill you. He's not going to just not get guarded. He's not going to get mercilessly attacked on defense. And maybe if he doesn't do it in the playoffs this year, I'll start to worry about that and he has not shot the ball that well this year so of this group he's probably the one i'm most concerned about having this high uh but i I thought it made sense to have him here than like down in like the 30 to 40 range my next group is actually way bigger than that i only had i only had one more tier which was i i'm aggressive with what i call a definite rotation player which is that somebody who would get those minutes on almost every team so there are a lot of players who would get it on a lot of teams but not on every team and so they don't make it into that tier but it still goes from 27 to 47 that was one of the surprising strengths to me of the power forward position was a lot of those type of like you're not thrilled necessarily about giving them the minutes that they do but they definitely deserve them so i thought with this one we could talk we don't need to talk about everybody it's my group is four is 20 guys but some of them well, it, so so let me talk about my guys and i sure. who i think are are those who are the more, young with potential people would be more interested in yeah and, and then below there i kind of yeah i was like all right rotation guys on some teams not on others you know pro- maybe uh, you pressed into service in the playoffs you don't necessarily want it so i, I didn't rank those guys but the, these guys uh eric pascal okay I think he. This is a another forward-looking one. Worth noting, he is on. He's in this next tier for me. Second highest rookie in this in this rankings. Pascal, the game is 
really slowed down for him of late with his ISO game. He's learned how to play in Kerr's system more. He is just attacking more patiently, making more passes. He's had like, you know, averaging like five assists a game over the last three weeks or so. The three-point shooting is only 28% from the year, which is not great, but he's started to look a little bit more confident taking it. I don't know how much I love. And his shooting's been fine. I, 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 yeah. think that I, th- I don't think he's going to necessarily be a great three-point shooter, but I hope he'll be better than he's been. Yeah, his finishing around the rim is awesome. He is an awesome finisher. Like, basically at this point, whenever he goes up around the rim, I'm like, all right, he's either going to score or get fouled, no matter how much opposition it looks like he has. I mean, he's got these double pumps. He can get up and dunk on you. His second jump is really good. Good touch around the rim. So that's all very impressive for me. And then defensively, he's not a playmaker, but I think he can hold up physically. And we'll see so much about him next year. You know, it could be next year he just, doesn't play at all in the playoffs, right? But I, I think he could potentially even close games next to Draymond Green. His shooting, obviously, is going to be important. Uh, but, I mean, he's a really, really athletic guy. I never realized coming out of Villanova just, like, how much pop he really has. And then he's got the mid-range jumper to work in the ISO game as well. Uh, he can handle the ball, push and transition a little bit, run some big, small pick and rolls, potentially. So I, I, I think he can be really good. And, again, this is forward-looking. We're not going to see him in the playoffs this year. His weaknesses haven't really been exposed but uh that's so this could be like a all right you see him every day you think he's good it's, it's so hard to evaluate guys on bad teams so i certainly believe that i could be wrong here but i i think is uh I, I think he's another guy who's not going to have a ton of weaknesses uh, which you like and he's got some pretty impressive strengths at times I also am intrigued by his his defense, the potential of some defensive versatility. You know, like I don't, th- I think he's better on fours than on threes, but you know, maybe you dance around it a little bit. And since there's so few guys that can defend small forwards effectively, if he can do that, especially on the bigger, slower ones, it could be useful. Michael Porter was in this group for me as well, as was marking him. Brandon Clark was a, was a tough one for me because I do think he's kind of limited. His three point shooting has been solid but on a very low number of attempts he doesn't have gravity he doesn't stand outside the three-point line he doesn't get his shot off quickly it it looks a little halting so i don't i'm not a believer in his shooting but i mean his efficiency is very difficult to ignore i think he can be a very solid defensive player he looks Uh, he's really a center offensively which is what kind of makes it difficult but i think he's got the ability to guard power fours also protect the rim you know i think he could be almost a jeremy grant level of player as a perimeter defender and maybe even as good or better than him as a help defender then maybe even a better finisher his floater game for example is really good he's able to make plays to some extent on the short roll so he's not an amazing fit but man in the role that he's asked to do I, i think he can really be good agreed anybody else Grant Williams. This one might be a controversial inclusion. I, 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 I had him low. I'm lower on him than you, but I still am intrigued, obviously. Yeah. I mean, internally, the Celtics are extremely high. I mean, and of course, you can say that about many a team and many a player, but I do see it with them. You know, he's got a lot of Jared Dudley, PJ Tucker type of just not necessarily the length of PJ Tucker, but just his defensive intelligence is really good his verticality is really good he picks up some fouls now some of those you could argue are maybe rookie calls but i think he's starting to get an understanding for where he needs to be offensively you know he had that 0 for 26 start to the season he's shooting it a little better from three now he's aggressive taking it can't really finish around the rim that well that's what scared me but he does have like a decent post game against mismatches he's gonna have to hit shots this is this is forward looking 
that he's going to shoot it well enough but I think he's a positive defensive player he can unlock some switching groups for you and this again is more of a forward looking one he may not even play that well in the playoffs this year it may just be too early for him but if we we're going to say he's going to start a regular season right now and get all that experience and then play in the playoffs I think that he could he could be deserving here he could be a guy we're really talking about at this time next year I really want to like Grant Williams uh, the, I, I remember his intelligence and communication was stood out in summer league I was actually for the first Celtics game partially because I just wanted to be on the floor for Taco Fall and just get a sense of that I, I was it was impressive like you saw the he was leading their defense as a rookie in his first summer league game and I love that about Grant Williams but you and you brought up Jared Dudley and PJ Tucker I think those are comps but it's also worth noting and yes he has it seems like he has that intelligence level that those guys do that a lot of players of that caliber don't make it and I'm I'm more concerned if the jump shot doesn't come around if he's not a capable enough offensive player and also he's you know if, if his if he's a little bit slower or a little bit you know not strong enough or any of those type of things like to me He's if everything goes well, he has the pieces to to put the puzzle together. But I'm not I I still need to see to make sure he has all the pieces. And so that's why I had him a little bit lower. I would love to be wrong though. I like like when I walked away from Summer League, I liked him more than like 80% of the Summer League guys I saw. Yeah, we'll see on him. I, I could easily just be such an offensive liability. And are, do you buy what I'm saying about him defensively, though? I think that there is a distinct chance it happens. I don't see it as a like an, an eventuality. I see it as a as a distinct possibility that I want to happen. So. You know what? I'm taking him out of this group. The last one I wanted to talk about is Marvin Bagley, but we should just discuss him, I think, nonetheless. Yeah, I didn't have Bagley in this tier, and that felt weird to me, but the the challenge with Bagley is, what is the sales pitch right now? If we're, if we're not talking about 2021, we're not talking about 2025, what does he do right now that makes your team meaningfully better? You talk about the fit issues. We've talked about this for Sacramento's overall team building how can you build around him because he doesn't shoot the three well enough he doesn't defend the center position well enough so maybe he can play some backup center for you be a scorer and finisher and rebounder on the offensive end but he can't close games at center against a lot of teams you know he's not good enough pick and roll defender he's not good enough rim protector uh he just makes defensive mistakes he's not a good communicator the way you need from that back line and then if you're going to play him with the center that guy's got to be able to shoot and he's got to be able to protect the rim and there just aren't that many of those kinds of players well, around and i can tell you what some of the sales pitches because we saw bits of it last year which is right. he needs to get to the line more and he needs to be able to hit the shots outside the paint and last year he hit about 40 percent of his shots from 10 feet to the to the three-point line that helps a lot this year that is that you know he's hitting 20 i mean he's only played 300 minutes but he's only he's only hitting 20 percent of those 10 to 16 footers which a non three-point shooter has to be able to hit in the modern nba unless you're so dominant and have so much gravity as a role man you know those sorts of positives yeah it's and so bagley for me he's a good example of why this exercise is so different from top prospects not that i had him high in that anyway but because the until he gets it it's going to be hard and yeah. that's he's got to be the offensive centerpiece if he's not capable of being an offensive centerpiece it's not worth it right and, and I, I brought this up I think during the 15 and 60 like the big difference between him and Aiton like with with Aiton th- there are still frustration points with him but he's sh- he's shown more offensive potential and defensive production to me compared to Bagley yeah and he has a position yes even if he doesn't want to play it he has it 
Yeah, I, so I, I, I want to talk about just a couple of the other players that I had in this next tier, some of which because I think other people might have them higher. And uh, one of them is Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma's, he's had some, he's kind of like Bagley in a way that the, the theory of Kuzma eventually is, you know, he can, he has footwork, he can become a competent offensive player and maybe he gets yeah, better Yeah, like, like maybe, maybe when he, uh, when he gets a little bit older and he's 25 and he's in his prime. Right. You know, that, that's, that's when, that's that, when he can be the That's this one of the slight differences between about. Kuzma and Bagley. Um, and and Kuzma but, but also, by the way he is 25 he is 25 yeah, in case he played, people played, didn't played for you played in Utah for five years and I worry I worry so much about Kuzma that he's a man without a country on both ends of the floor like he's not good and he's not good enough at the things offensively that would make him totally playable and that he's not good enough at the other things to make him a complimentary piece and then defensively he, there are times when like when he cares like he had some nice moments in that Lakers Clippers games we did for the NBA cast but those moments are too few and far between for me to put him on on most teams and that's a part of why he's been marginalized on the Lakers yeah and if you look at the statistics particularly this year but even going back to previous years the on-off stuff the overall level of efficiency I mean he's a player where he's got this really nice footwork he can heat up for some big scoring games when he is featured which he's not on a good team this year even though you know they've needed in theory what he could provide when LeBron's on the bench and he hasn't been able to provide it's 51% true shooting this year and the three-point shooting just isn't reliable enough for him to be a spot-up guy and so I mean there's just no statistical argument that he should be higher than this at this point somebody else in this group that I had higher hopes for than where they are currently is Dario Saric he just hasn't done enough and to me this is another part of why we'll get into the Suns offseason later that if the choice is keep match rights on Sharich but lose 10 million in space for the first week and a half of the summer I think you have to take the space one would think now of course they can make that decision and pull the qualifying offer for him later you know they can see what's out there and then if they yeah don't, and then they, they can they can superior. at that point they can renounce the the cap hold if they have something for the space and maybe maybe he wants to come back at a smaller number there are ways to make it work Rui Hachimura, I think some might say, well, hey, where is he in that group of young guys with potential? And he's had some impressive offensive games, but I don't think he's good defensively. I'm not sure where that improvement is necessarily going to come from. Um, You know, maybe if he can guard one-on-one a little bit better, some of the best guys and he certainly has not been in a place where he can look good. You know, it's not like he's had good help defenders behind him. He's been playing some with Bertans, which is not amazing of a fit either. He's definitely a natural power forward. Uh, I don't really buy him as a quality three-point shooter outside of maybe in the corners. His mid-ranger is nice, but, you know, that's that's a nice scoring piece to have off the bench. He's older already, too, which is a concern. He is a very nice finisher. You know, I think he can add that versatility rolling to the rim. But I just... Uh, I don't see enough from him of just like, what is the theory of how this guy gets to be so awesome? I mean, are you really seeing him as some dominatingly efficient score offensive centerpiece type? If you're not, then he's got to shoot it better or he's got to defend a lot better to get in there. Now, the upside is he has, in theory, the physical tools to do that. He has gotten a lot better over the course of career, came to basketball late, although I've always felt that as a little bit of a canard to believe that guys are going to improve more if they came to basketball late. You know, I haven't seen actual research proving that that's the case. So, well, and I, I, yeah. The, my biggest concern with Hashimura is that it is, in, I, I like to think of this as a diet. Like, he doesn't really have a healthy diet in terms of scoring, and it is 
there are guys who can make that work. I mean, we, yeah. the, the yeah, entire but, but, San Antonio. So, so you better have a great metabolism. Then, exactly. Right? You have to. You have to have an unbelievable <laughs> metabolism. You have to have all of the other things right. And I mean, there are examples. If you want to get extreme, last year San Antonio Spurs. Like there are ways to do it. But generally speaking, I'm not going to bet on that because the general the general thing is that it doesn't work. And when when he can prove it, but also think about the utility that okay could be a great rim shooter, can be a finisher, but can't defend the five we'll see how he defends the four okay great what do you put around him is he so the if you're if you're saying that he's a starter then you have to have a a a solid rim you know a rim protecting center the guy guy who does all that stuff but also in the modern nba that player probably has to at least be a threat from three congratulations you're targeting like five guys to play next next to hachimura like and and those guys are incredibly hard to get and sure you'd love to have one of them but at that point then do you choose hachimura as your four next to them it's it's he could get there and i would like I think that there there's reason to believe that he could become a better shooter. I mean, 82% from the free throw line now. He was a in the 70s the last couple of years at Gonzaga. You know, and, and then there's that whole you know he made he made 15 of his 36 threes that last year at Gonzaga. So he shot he shot at 42%. But remember, it was only 36 threes in 1100 minutes. But we'll have to see. Yeah, another one to to mention briefly, Julius Randle. Kind of, I think we're seeing this Knicks team as the absolute worst place that he could be offensively. I think there's an acknowledgement of that. I don't know if he is this bad. I think you still, he still profiles to me as a scorer off the bench. Maybe he closes some games on bad teams. Maybe you can fit him in defensively to a switching system, but you just see he's basically a center on offense. His three-point shooting where he'd shown some growth last year is really regressed. That's a a big reason to have him lower. And I've never really bought that three-point shooting, frankly last year you know where he was kind of adequate he wasn't taking that many of them and in new orleans they're playing super fast they didn't care about defense at all they're spreading the floor out around him uh, it was essentially just a, a clown show there once anthony davis left of just everyone trying to get their money and so he looked good in that environment he looked okay for the lakers even the year before but this has been a very discouraging year i think he'll bounce back to some degree but you just see the overall limitations in terms of where he can fit on both ends and you put him in the absolute perfect role i think he can be a really good scorer but outside of that he doesn't bring much and it's hard to get him into that role and also have an effective team that works in other ways yeah no real arguments from me on that and old favorite Wancho Hernan Gomez yes. he's getting a chance in Minnesota shooting 40 percent from three I don't think he's in the right place to develop defensively in Minnesota where I thought he actually had shown some signs early in his career guarding some of the perimeter players on good perimeter players on other teams at the three even at times for Denver but he's not really being asked to do that here his rebounding hasn't been that impressive either uh defensive glass he's been okay in Minnesota uh but hasn't done it as much in the offensive glass we'll see I mean he could I think the tools are still there for him to be a quality you know low-end starter and the shooting being better has encouraged me but I still need to see more from him. He's someone whose performance I really want to lock in more specifically defensively the last month or so of the season. Um, Rudy Gay? We didn't mention him at all. I have Rudy in this tier. I haven't talked yeah, about him. Yeah, I, I th- he's really fallen off this year, actually. Yeah. He's not as efficient. I, I think just athletically, he's finally lost that step that you would have expected him to lose after 
the Achilles where he actually came back pretty strong and just you know it's not really able to get things going with the ISO game the way he would when he was struggling to beat Willie Hernan Gomez off the dribble the other night in Charlotte I, I thought that was a little bit of a, a negative indicator and, and the statistics back it up so um who are our biggest risers from last year last year i had pascal siakam seventh and i had ben simmons ninth this year i have those guys three and four obviously zion wasn't on the list at all and he's he's four for you and six for me that's obviously real big wait who did you have five who else did you have above zion i missed that paul milsap oh man all right well (laughs) we 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 went through it there I, i i'm not in agreement on that one um yeah, I mean, and Pascal has gotten a lot better. I think Simmons has had more incremental improvement, but a lot of the guys above him, Draymond Green isn't is way lower. Kristaps Porzingis, who was injured at this time last year, we had him at power forward. This year, I think it's pretty clear that he's a center. We've moved him to center now. He's been playing a lot more center. Defensively, he's basically guarding centers. He can't really, I don't think, guard fours. He had played more four with New York and he hadn't really proven that he could hold up at center. And he's been he's there's still some issues there, but he's been protecting the rim a lot. And so I, I think it's it's pretty clear that that's what he is at this point in time. He'll he'll figure certainly in our center rankings. Um let's see uh, who, J- Jaren's Jaron Jackson Jr. is a riser for me because we we had seen parts of it but now we've now the Taylor Jenkins bringing in the the jump shooting I think has been a big a big yeah. revelation Davis Bertans yeah that that really came off I had uh, I had him for, though I did have him in the 19 to 30 group last year which was probably higher than most people then too I just I just I've loved Davis Bertans for a while now yeah not a ton of movement here in terms of upward mobility Marcus Morris would probably be one who's moved up a little bit. Uh, but again, I think a lot of that is just that some of the taller, like Kevin Love had fallen significantly as well. He was my number six last year. Draymond was four. Both those guys are a lot lower. Oh, we, if we want to get into followers, I mean, I have a bunch of them. Thaddeus Young. Yeah. I, I miss Nicole Miritich. That doesn't count because he's just yeah. not in the NBA anymore, but I do miss him. Alfred Camino. Yeah, that that's a tough one. I, I dropped Kuzma after after yeah. everything. Happened. Randall was way lower for me. Oh, yeah, I, I, I already I, had Randall low. He's in the he's actually yeah. in the same basic tier. He, I, he might have dropped it. He, he's yeah. in the same you basic can, tier for me. You can chalk that up as a win because I I think I had him in the uh, you know in like the around twentieth last year. No, I had him thirty one so. to forty three. Yeah, no, you're 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 certainly right about that. I think we felt we we're. Uh, I mean, yeah, we ranked the guy highly that we ranked highly again. Controversial Maxi Kleba, but I think to me he's validated that ranking I would this say year so. um who else really dropped off Rudy Gay dropped off for me Marvin Bagley dropped off for me quite a bit because there's at least a hope that he was going to be a really good offensive power forward and that just didn't materialize even this year and then also you know you're concerned about injuries with him going forward Damari mm-hmm. Damari Carroll healthy. dropped off pretty hard for me oh yeah I think I didn't even think he was a we might have even included him in a different position I'm just noting because he was I'm looking at my rankings yeah. from last year yeah yeah um all right anything else on this I think we're uh we're ready to pack it in at least I am no I think I think it's everything it was this to me was the easiest of the of them to do not that it was easy but it Zion was in many ways the hardest guy to do, but everything else, like the top ones, it was it was pretty straightforward. I mean, Giannis in his own, the AD in his own, and then kind of from there, and then the other ones kind of you kind of just figured it out, figured out where the lines were, and I didn't have the the agonizing like I did at the top of the small forward rankings in particular. Yeah, I thought shooting guard was actually the hardest for yeah, me that was so tough far. Too. Because there's just a lot of guys who are like, all right, they can kind of shoot the three okay, and you know maybe they're like average to slightly below average defensively. And how do you parse all those guys out? Uh, but yeah, here I thought it was easier. I think it, center might even get easier for me. I've kind of got a pretty good rubric for what I value in a center at this point. That was we've just talked about that so much. But all right, we will be back. 
plans to do a gamer on wednesday night catch up on some news uh we'll try try to get as many gamers in as we can while the games are actually going on fingers crossed there uh but we'll talk to you tomorrow night at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.